Today's scripture reading will be from Exodus chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Exodus chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Good morning and welcome to our worship service today. We're grateful, as has already been said, for your presence. We are going to be looking at the third chapter of the book of Exodus today. We're not only going to be looking at chapter 3, but also we're going to look at some excerpts from chapter 4. And I want us to think for just a few moments about these two great chapters as we contemplate the theme objections to service. And before we do so, let me just very quickly state that we do appreciate those of you who are visiting. As always, we invite you to come back and be with us. If you are looking for a church home, please give consideration to the work here. We would be more than honored to have you come, work, worship, and serve with us in the kingdom. I want us to think for just a few moments about what has been recorded for our learning in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. In this great text, we find God calling on a man by the name of Moses. And God summons Moses into his service. He tells them, he tells him rather, that he has seen the oppression that the Israelite people have faced in Egypt, and thus, according to chapter 3 at verse 10, God is going to bring these people out of bondage. He's going to accomplish this task through Moses. Moses, however, objects to the Lord. That is, he begins to offer a series of reasons as to why he is not suited for this task. Now, you know, the Bible tells us that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we are to be instruments of righteousness. Each and every one of us are to be involved in the work of the church. Sometimes, however, we, like Moses, object as to why we cannot serve adequately in the kingdom. And so I want us to think for just a few moments about this series of objections that Moses cites to the Lord. The first thing that I would call your attention to is the idea of inferiority. You see, Moses, like many of us, felt inferior. And so in chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, in short, Moses asked this question. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. 
And so here is this feeling of inferiority. In short, who am I, Lord? It may be the case that you and I, as members of the body of Christ, object to serving in some capacity because we have what has been called an inferiority complex. We feel like we are a nobody. Who am I, Lord? How in the world could you use a person like me? I think that you and I would be well served to remember a couple of things. Number one, you are not a nobody in the kingdom of God. In the church, everybody is somebody. Here are some things you need to remember. Number one, remember you are a Christian. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, we read of those disciples who were called Christians first at Antioch. If you have believed and obeyed the gospel, been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, then you are a Christian. You are distinct. You are extremely important in the kingdom of God. And so first of all, remember, you are a Christian. But then secondly, remember, you are a child of the living God. In 1 John chapter 3, John said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. You are a child of the living God. In other words, you belong to the Lord. You are His child. Think for a moment about how precious your children or grandchildren are to you. We enjoy a very special relationship to the Lord. We are a Christian. We are a child of God. We are a person who belongs to the family of God. But then also, remember that you comprise the called out. That is, you are a part of the church. In Acts chapter 2, we find Peter preaching the first gospel sermon on Pentecost Day. He instructed those people to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The Bible says in verse 41 that some 3,000 souls yielded obedience to the gospel. In verse 47, Luke said, The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You comprise the ecclesia, that is the community of the saved. Peter said you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession whom he has called forth out of darkness into light, who in time past were no people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. And so you are a part of the church, the called out. You are a servant of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so don't ever think that you are a nobody in the kingdom of God. Moses had the idea he was a nobody. 
And his inferiority complex was such that he said, Lord, who am I? But then also remember that you are a citizen in heaven. That is, your citizenship resides in heaven. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, at verse 20, our citizenship, our commonwealth is in heaven. Whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks of those of us who belong to the body of Christ as strangers or sojourners. And the idea is that we are temporal beings in a temporal world. We are transitory in nature. We're not going to be here forever. And so what you need to remember is that you are a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. But then there was a second objection cited by Moses. And this had to do with his feelings of simply being inadequate. Look at verse 13, if you would, in chapter 3. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, and they say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So he felt inadequate. In other words, what am I going to say, Lord? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like, well, I'm a child of God. I've obeyed the gospel. I'm a part of the church. But I just don't know what to say to those who are outside the church. I don't know how to respond to my friends, my family members, to my co-workers, to those with whom I associate with on a regular basis. I just don't know what to say to them. You need to remember that as God's people, as members of the church... We must first of all be equipped. That is, one of the responsibilities of the church is to equip you so that you can go out into the world and lead others to Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, at verse 12, Paul said he gave some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For the equipping of the saints. The church has to be equipped. And when we are equipped, then we overcome our inadequacies. How are are we going to equip members of the body of Christ? Think for a moment about the church here. The church here is in DeSoto County, a thriving community. And so how are we going to impact this community for the cause of Christ? It may be the case that you feel inadequate. It may be the case that you just don't feel like you know enough to help others outside of Christ. Well, it's the responsibility of the church to equip you. And one of the ways that we do that is by education. We are to educate and edify the body of Christ. As Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 verse 13. And so, 
through our teaching and through our preaching and through our training programs. In other words, we have to train people. We have to train, we have to teach people to be servants of the Most High God. I think about one of the viable reasons why individuals need to be present on Sundays and Wednesdays is because we're trying to learn. Granted, on the first day of the week, we come together so that we can worship God, so that we can bow in His presence, but ultimately, not only are we bowing in the presence of God and giving Him the honor that He is due, but we're trying to learn. We're trying to grow spiritually. Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, I think about the work of the church. The work of the church is to train and to teach. And as has been said on many occasions, we are to plan our work. And then we work our plan. And so, these were some feelings that Moses had that many of us may have today, even as we speak. Then there is a third objection that Moses raises to God as to why he is not able to fulfill this task, this great task that is before him. It is a feeling whereby, in the mind of Moses, it's incredulous that God would call upon him and use him as a spokesman on his behalf. Look, if you would, at verse 1. Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me, or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So what's the dilemma that Moses now raises? Well, the idea is, what if they don't believe me? What if they're not willing to listen to my voice? Well, What is it that you and I, as members of the body of Christ, need to remember today? If I could sum it up in one statement, it would be this. You and I have our job. That is, we have our task. And if we do our task, God will do His. In other words, you and I, we have our job. And in light of the fact that we have our job, in light of the fact we have our task, God will do His. Was it not a fact that God was going to be with Moses? That God was going to equip him to function as a great leader and lawgiver in Israel? The answer is a resounding yes. Well, what about us? Sometimes we are very pessimistic in our viewpoint of the work of the church. Sometimes we take a defeatist attitude. It may be the case that we're defeated before we ever begin. Now we may be hard on Moses, but it might be helpful for us to examine our own selves and to ask ourselves, are we like Moses in this respect? Now, you might ask, how so? Well, let's just think for a moment about all of those who live in DeSoto County and those who reside in Shelby County. 
How many times have you heard individuals in the church, in the body of Christ, simply state, well, we would teach them, or we would reach out, or we would say this, or we would say that, but they're not going to believe us. They won't listen to me. They're not going to listen to anything that I have to say. They're not interested in the gospel. I believe that there are people in this community that are truly interested in divine truth. And you might be the very link to help lead them to Christ. Do you remember what Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. It's not my responsibility to make sure, in other words, my responsibility is to sow the seed of the kingdom. I have no control over whether or not somebody's going to believe what I say. If somebody turns a deaf ear to the gospel of Christ, I have no control over that. My job is to dispense, to sow the seed. Like those people that Luke records in Acts chapter 8. The Bible says in Acts 8, 4, following a persecution that swept the early church, that those disciples went everywhere preaching the word. Now, if God's word falls on honest and good hearts, guess what? It'll bring forth fruit. Also take note of the fact in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that you had on the one hand Paul, he's, he's laboring. On the other hand, you have Apollos, he's laboring. They're doing their part and God is doing his part. If you do your part, God will do his part. If you and I, if we discharge the duties that have been entrusted into our care, then God's going to take, he's going to take care of the rest. But too many times we are negative when it comes to the work of the church. We have this defeatist attitude, this woe is me. It won't work here. We can't do it here. Who says we can't do it? Who says people aren't interested? Who says people won't listen to the gospel of Christ? The Bible says that the gospel is God's power unto salvation. It was true in the first century. It's true today. But then there is a fourth objection that Moses cites. And this very well might be a common objection. Note, if you would, the inclination of Moses, picking up in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Now note verse 13. Here's what Moses said, O oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever, whomever else you may send. In other words, how about sending somebody else? You ever think like that? Think about, for a moment, the work of the church. We understand, universally speaking, that Christ is the head of the church.
one of us are important in the work of the church here. Some of us may have a more visible role, but that does not diminish your role and your responsibility. Think about what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15. Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Somebody has said in times past, Go ye means go now. At some point in time, we have to accept a measure of responsibility. At some point in time, the burden is going to fall on us church in this community. If the work and the progress of the church in this community rested on your shoulders, how far would the church go into the future? If the work of the church at this location was on your shoulders, Would people still have the opportunity to meet here on a regular basis? Would the work of the church grow and flourish or not? Let me ask these questions. Number one, if not you, then whom? If not you, then whom? You see, God had his man. That man was Moses. Now, there may be any number of reasons why we give as to why we're unable to work in the church of our Lord. But God can use you. Not only can God use you, but He can use you in a very important way. And so, if not you, then whom? And then number two, if not now, then when? If you're not willing to be involved, if you're not willing to serve, if you're not willing to be actively involved in the work of the church in this location right now, then when? When could we pencil you in for service? The beauty of this account is reflected in the fact that even though Moses cited some objections, and though those objections, I believe, were very real in the mind of Moses. And there are times when we object to serving in the kingdom of Christ. And yet when we really analyze the, analyze the situation, we find out that those objections were really not worthy of merit. There's something for everybody to do in the church. We need all participating in the work of the church. Maybe you have cited some objections in days gone by as to why you couldn't be involved in the work of the church. But let me just ask you to do this. I want you to think about the abilities that God has blessed you with. And then think about the enormous responsibilities that we have as Christians. And then I want you to do this. Why not push those objections to the side? Why not lay them to the side and commit right now to doing everything you can to make this church flourish in this community? 
I said it last week. I, be, I believe it to be the case. This church is not, it's not Olive Branch's church. It's not my church. It's not any one person's church. The church belongs to Christ. We are but members of the body of Christ. And so what we want to do is to make sure that each and every one of us as a member of the body of Christ is working together for the common good of this church. As this church grows and flourishes, God will be glorified. God is the one that will give the increase. As I said a moment ago, if we do our part, God will do his part. I believe that. But we have to do our part in order for God to fulfill his part. You see, God's not going to bless us if we don't do anything. Could I challenge you today? Think about whatever abilities you have, harness those abilities, and use them for the cause of Christ in this community. In closing, it may be the case that you're not a Christian. But the idea of being a part of the church, the ecclesia, the community of the saved, appeals to you. You realize that Christ died for your sins, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. That he was buried, that he rose again on the third day, that he's coming again. And so you want to live acceptable in his sight. What do you need to do? The Bible says you need to have faith, Hebrews 11. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Then you need to repent of every sin, according to Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. And then be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. When you do that, the Lord will add you to the body of Christ. And if you live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2, at verse 10. If you're here today, you're not faithful to the Lord. Maybe you're not living as you should. Could we encourage you to come home? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing?